right to give him some praise right about there. Oh, you can do better than that. That was for the Eagles. That was for the Steelers, but the God who saved your life, I don't know if anybody in here ever had him as a mind regulator. Anybody in here ever had him as a heart fixer? You missed your moment. God is so good and God is so wonderful to and worthy of all of our praise. How many of you agree with that? It's a part, it's a part of being, it's a part of being a believer to honor the Lord through um, giving him the worship that is necessary. Uh, and, and that's reflective of those who are thankful that they are in a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's give God a hand praise one more time for our choir. Amen. 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 Well, let's go ahead and stand. We're going to go ahead and dig in. We're going to go ahead and dig in. Um, Vision Sunday, Acts 16, 1 through 5. We're going to dig right on in Acts 16. Verses one through five, on three, one, two, three, go. same thing they did at the last gathering. Amen. Amen. On our time together, I just want to talk about for our Vision Sunday, strengthening the church. Strengthening the church. Let's go before God. Father, we thank you uh, for being our strength, and I thank you that you placed us with one another to be strengthened. Show us what that looks like and give us the grace and mercy and development in this season of our ministry to see you do what only you can do by giving us that sense that the Bible talks about, being of the same mind intent on the same purpose. Put us on one accord today, Lord God. Help us to be thinking through the same thing so that we can find ourselves in you and engage one another more effectively and lovingly as we are more deeply committed to you in the mighty name of Jesus. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O oh God, our strength. Yes. And our Redeemer in whom we trust. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Everybody agree with that said? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. How many of you um, have been here on a Vision Sunday in the past? Hold your hand up real high. Vision Sunday. We used to call it State of the Church, but Vision Sunday. So y'all almost all new people. Hold on. Let me hold, hold your hand up. Don't bend the arm. Hold it up real Wow, wow, wow. So that means that all the rest of y'all been here, either haven't been to one, or this is your first year at Epiphany Fellowship full year or not quite a full year. Um, but Vision Sunday is a time where uh, we scale back from the preachiness of the communication on Sunday, at moments at least, and engage in helping the church to be on one accord. Somebody say one accord. One accord. This is called Talk Back Sunday. So uh, I'm going to have you repeat a whole bunch of stuff, and I want you to repeat it with a lot of veracity. And if you got some raspiness, let all that out. And and, and, and let's engage with it. But Vision Sunday really comes out of our desire to be of the same purpose. Philippians chapter uh, 2, verses uh, 1 through 3, and also uh, Proverbs chapter uh, 29, uh, 18, where it talks about people without vision are unrestrained. And when it talks about the idea of people without vision unrestrained, if someone doesn't have direction in every area of their life, whatever life that they don't have a preferred picture of what a future looks like as God's word shifts it and changes it and nurtures it, um, they, they will be uh, uh, unleashed to do whatever they want to. And so what we want to do as the church, we want to be on one accord. Somebody say one accord. And so Vision Sunday is to help us to get our spiritual optics 
aligned with one another so that we as a church can be all that we can be. Many of you uh, have, who have gone through covenant community, how many people have been through covenant community here? We're our covenant community members, amen. And so in light of our covenant community, our membership class, let me get that one more again, our membership folk, our membership folk, okay. Okay, less than half, so a third or only, wow, 25%. So about 25% I'm doing, you know, I got glasses on, but. But um, it's is, is really, we, we have a 50-year vision at the church. And uh, um, once, I, I don't know if I'll be here 50 years, but whoever comes after me, hopefully they continue that. And then the guy that comes at year 50 uh, will have to uh, extend that into the ne- that next generation after that. But at this particular time, what we do, we don't do yearly themes like rhyme with the year, stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? 2007, we, I mean, you know, t- uh, two. 2017, we're going to live lean and all that kind of carrying on. We're not going to do that. But what we are going to do, we, we're not mad at anybody if they can align that with the Bible and use it. We're not going to do it. And so, but um, um, the, the idea and the ideal is to help you to have clarity in the phases because we believe that the vision that God gave us 16, 17 years ago now, where it began getting worked on and launched in 2006, which was a decade and five months ago, um, we are, we, we, we have, we, we've seen God do some things quickly and we've seen God do some things slowly. And then we saw God do some things based on a timeline. But the Bible says that the plans of a good man are established by the Lord. And so as we, God blesses plans, he doesn't bless aimlessness. And so the, the reality of us getting in here and beginning to do what we're supposed to do, to strategize and to see what God wants us to do for this particular season is very, very important. So we, we basically spend this time repeating and being committed to what it means to why are we here, what are we doing, and what does that look like and how we do it. So today is Vision Sunday. Somebody say Vision Sunday. And so we will repeat this every single time we get a chance. What is our model on three? One, two, three. All right, some more huskiness. I need those bassy men up under that. Le- uh, high pitched ladies on almost harmonize that thing on three. One, two, three. All right, don't hurt yourself. That was good. That was good. Showing off the glory of Christ in every area of life. This is our motto. This is our mission and vision statement. This is what we believe the Bible calls us to do in a nutshell. And that is reflect this beautiful reality of God changing everything in your life. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4 is the content of the gospel. However, Romans 1.16 is the nature of the gospel. One gives you the content of what the gospel is. The other one tells you what the gospel does. Romans 1.16 is what this flows out of, uh, Colossians 1.16, the fact that everything was made for Jesus. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but in this reality is we want the glory of God to touch everything in your life. When God gave uh, Adam and Eve together as co-equal to each other, but vice regents of his glory, he gave them a visionary commission. And that commission was to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And as they had, as they got married, they had babies and they would raise them supposedly prior to the fall in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And as generations of families filled the earth without the fall, they were supposed to be filled, the earth was supposed to be filled with glory reflectors. And all of these glory reflectors were supposed to fill the earth with the glory of God through submitting their lives to the one who created them, right? And begin to generationally pass that on. But because of the fall now, Jesus had to recommission that commissioning through the great commission in a world that was already filled, but not filled with glorifiers. So the reason why we go into the world to share the reality of the gospel is because the earth is full of people, but not people who reflect the glory of Jesus Christ. So every time someone is born again, a new glory reflector is born. And so, and, so, and so now we as the believers of Jesus Christ here in Philadelphia want to effectively be those glory reflectors that the fall broke, but Jesus Christ fixed. And so, and so now we come here and we come to what we, what we would call our core values. Somebody say our core values. Our core values. Repeat after me. Christ-centeredness. Christ-centeredness. Commitment. Commitment. Community. Community. Conversions and culturally relevant ministry. 
Yes, these are, these are, if you want to know what's in the DNA strand of Epiphany Fellowship biblically, this is our DNA strand. First off, when we talk about Christ-centeredness, we don't, we don't emphasize putting Christ first as a list or a check-off, if you will, because if you check him off as first, it means you can do whatever you want on the rest of the list. So what we do is we, put, we believe that Christ must be centered. In other words, he's the nucleus of everything. That means everything, that's, that's John 15, the abiding work of Christ nurtures us to bear much fruit and so prove to be his disciples. And so this reality of this po- points back to Colossians 1.16 where the Bible says that all things were made for him, through him, and by him. So here we don't believe that Jesus Christ was a demigod, 50% God and 50% man. Here we don't believe he was just a prophet. We don't just believe he was just a good guy or the best person that ever lived. We believe that he's 100% God, 100% man, united in one person with two distinct natures, unmixed forever. That's called eternal hypostasis. That's what we believe here. So we, we make a big deal about the Lord Jesus Christ, hopefully in everything. Jesus is supposed to be bigger than me. Jesus is supposed to be bigger than you. Jesus is supposed to be bigger than every single thing in the church. If the leadership is the biggest thing in the church, it's no longer the church. Because Jesus said, upon this rock, I'll build my church, not a pastor's church, not an apostle, supposed apostle's church, or some type of prophet church. No, Jesus, this is not my church. This is the church of the chief shepherd. And so in light of that reality, we, we make him known and we make him preeminent in all things that he may feel all and be all and through all. And so because Jesus created everything with a purpose, we must submit all of our lives to be rigged. I don't know if y'all remember MacGyver. You know, some of y'all are too young for that, you know. But MacGyver could take a whole bunch of messy equipment and create it into a user-friendly and potent machine to be able to fight enemies. And that's what we're supposed to be. We, God has jerry-rigged us, if you will, into a brand spanking new piece of equipment for his glory to honor him. So we rig our lives around and are motivated by his desired ends. That's the way this works. And so when we look at the vision, this is the bedrock of our vision. This is the bedrock of our mission, right? Um, Somebody say commitment. Commitment. Acts chapter 242 said they devoted themselves. Somebody say devote. Devote. Yeah, I told you we're going to talk today. Devote one more time. So devote is very important because the word there or the idea of devote doesn't merely mean uh, uh, to, to receive doctrinal information. Um, because many of us think because we finished a class, we're spiritually mature in the information that we received. Right? But that's not how it works in the Bible. No. Here, devoted means receiving the doctrinal truth, the biblical truth of what Jesus passed down to the apostles to now pass on to the church for generations. They were devoted to that stuff. That means that they didn't just get information. They were like trying to do the stuff. In other words, and in trying to do it means you were empowered to do it. So that means if they had a class on prayer, they they didn't just say, man, that was a good class. They they actually went and prayed. That means, if they had, they, that means if they had an evangelism class, it was like, man, that's great. My desire for the gospel is greater. No, they went out and shared Jesus with actual people. And so, and so what, we, what we believe is devotion points to or commitment means that we're called and we're rigged by nature to be committed. There is no such thing in the economy of God as a non-committed Christian. I ain't getting no amens on that. That, was, that. that must have been a scary little part right there. But commitment is a big framework for you to not always, in other, in other words, God has called us to not be overcommitted or undercommitted, but to be committed. And so, and so that's the beauty of this is, is the belief and practice of God's gospel and word to serve our local church and to make disciples. We're going to make this even more clear in a second as we begin to talk about this idea of this core value of commitment, right? Community. Somebody say Community. Community uh, is, 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 comes from the word uh, in Acts chapter, it it's really shows up several times in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. It's the Greek word koinonia. Somebody say koinonia. koinonia. It's a, and they were going from house to house, fellowshipping with one another. It means to partner with God's people about what's closest to God's heart. Yeah. That, that, that's what community is. Community means that, that you don't, it's, it's impossible to say that you're a believer and not engage with other believers. That means you're not a serial attender. That, 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 that means that, you don't, that you, you're not like church hopping. It, it got real quiet on that part. It means that you, you localize yourself to be known. Yeah. Ah. That, 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 means, that means somebody should know you. 
Okay, let me break it down. If you're not known by the local church, it's your fault. Let me see if I can make it plain. See, a per, if someone says nobody ever calls me again, the question is, where have you placed yourself in a situation where you're knowable to where people would miss you not being there? So if you're, if you're not in a knowable place, but you're a serial attender and a consumer of God's things, but not committed to the things of God, then what will begin to happen is, is you won't even experience the best of what God has for you. You want, listen, when, when I get something, I want all I can get up out of it. Let, let me see, let me see if I'm making Somebody gave us one time some tickets to uh, Universal Studios, uh, uh, um, Disney World, and, and SeaWorld. Now we got, fam- we got park free, the free passes and all of that. You know? So I'm like, I know it was crazy, but we, in one week we went to all them parks. I was trying to visit all the little, listen, when I get something, I wanna make sure because I, I don't never know when I'm going to do that again. You understand what I'm saying? So I'm trying to enjoy everything that's in it. I'm eating all kinds of stuff and looking at the fireworks and enjoying. Uh, you know, my son laughed because he remember, we, I was trying to get to everything. I want to see a lion roar. I want to see the Lion King. I want to meet, meet the people, all the Mickey Mouse. I want to know everybody. I want to see Shamu do, do her thing. You know what I'm saying? I want all that. You know, I want, I, want, I want the full experience. Why would God pay for a salvation that you don't maximize the experience in? Why? Why? And, when, and, when, and when you act like your salvation is just between you and God, that's a false gospel. That's a false, that's a false gospel. When you think, oh, that's just me and God, I'm cool. You were saved to be with him and us. Y'all not gonna talk back, it's okay. And so because, 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 because that's a form of secular humanism. Really, it's functional deism. Uh, anyway, I don't have time to get into that. But, but, but it's very important for us as believers to function. Somebody say function. Function with one another. I got to move. I'll preach on that another day. Conversion. Somebody say conversions. So what I like about the beauty of this, the be- this is the beauty of this. As the believers were living with Christ in the center, right? As the believers were committed, as they were committed to the apostles' teaching, chopping it up with each other, uh, uh, committed to rehashing what was being taught to, and meticulously doing DNA groups to hold one another accountable to the faith. They were just growing spiritually by leaps and bounds. As they were in biblical community with one another, it naturally, it naturally made them want to tell somebody. Okay, let me see if I can make a plan. How many of y'all like football? How many of y'all got a jersey? for your team or something? Or how many of y'all, when y'all team winning or not, you know, winning, because some of y'all fair weather, um, when, your team win, when your team winning, you put like an icon up on the thing to show that you bought your team and all that kind of care, and you post something. In other words, you want, like, it's hard to be a fan of a team and nobody know about it. It, it's, it's, it's really, really hard. Like, and when you, it, and now what's funny is, you wearing a jersey and you've never been on the field. You're buying all kinds of stuff to, to act like you're part of the team. And if you met anyone off that team, they wouldn't know who the heck you were, right? But God, through the gospel, has saved you and actually gave you his glory as your jersey. And, and, and as he's giving you his glory, like every time you walk and you're growing spiritually, more of his glory reflects off your life. And what happens is, is when you're walking with your jersey on spiritually, what begins to happen is others should notice it. And as others know the difference of in your life and you begin to lovingly engage them, people at some point, somebody should go from spiritual death to spiritual life. And so when we talk about we believe in conversions, that means every, it's not some special evangelist to invite your friends to some revival to bring them in to share the gospel with them. It's not merely to say, come to my church, even though that's fine, but not to merely have me share the gospel with them or somebody else share the gospel with them. No, you are equipped as an eternal evangelist to communicate in this timeline, in the dash, the good news about Jesus Christ with somebody. So when we talk about conversions, we talk about being a witness of Jesus in our everyday lives at Sack and Save, at Whole Foods. You know what I'm saying? I caught some of y'all at the wine bar, at the wine bar, you know? It's okay, it's okay, you know, don't get drunk, don't get drunk, you know? Amen, don't, don't look at me fine. I'm not even gonna look any of y'all's direction because y'all scattered all over the place. It's okay. 
ain't putting you on blast. I ain't putting you on blast. Enjoy to the glory of God without letting too much sippage anoint your mind. Amen. <laughs> but, but, but what I'm saying is everywhere you go on the block, on the L, on the sub, on your job, Jesus, like, when he's the source of your life, he, like, has to come out at some point. Like, like... I mean, I mean, I mean, when you get in a relationship with somebody, you let people just see you just walking around and you all have something's different about you. What happened? Um, I'm, I'm in a relationship. You know what I'm saying? I love, you know, somebody should like Jesus should rock you so much at certain times where people notice that he has you on lock. You understand what I'm saying? He should, like, like, like that's, that's what it means to be a believer. He should ooze out of you. So conversions is spending our life and intentionally through both life and lips. Don't talk Bible and have Bible posted all in your cubicle, but you cussing. <laughs> See, it's both life and lips. You know, we like to run our lips, but we very usually like not to use our lives. So we want both, right? Yeah. But then culturally relevant ministry, don't get this twisted. Loving God, loving people. Yeah. The sons of Issachar were men who understood the times and knew what Israel ought to do. The men and women of Issachar were the systemic tribe. They weren't the fighting tribe. <clears throat> but they were the tribe <clears throat> that in this hand, they had the scrolls of scripture. In this hand, they had CNN, C-SPAN, BET, uh, uh, TV One, uh, MTV, um, Vibe Magazine, you know, uh, uh, not them other magazines, but just, you know, certain things, right? And they maximize saying, how do I enjoy culture? But I don't want to violate culture. So what I want to do is I want to get in the Word so God can show me how to enjoy creation without becoming of creation. But while I'm in creation, I want to I actually be a real, like, in other words, this shows us that we're real human beings. Culturally relevant ministry means that Christians aren't so high and mighty that we don't enjoy life. Yes, yes. However, we allow God's word to guide yes. how we enjoy life. Yes. You see what I'm saying? And, and, and so this is, this is important when we talk about co- relevant isn't being cool. It's loving God, loving people, fulfilling the law. That's, that's what it means, right? And we'll talk a little bit about that in a second. So what are some things that God has done? Basketball league has continued to grow. Um, media growth of the church, um, had, the church has grown. I mean, as you can see, this, this is back to where we were um, when we went to three services. The other two services are 75% full. So we, uh, don't look at me because we ain't going to four services. <laughs> I'm going to talk to you about it. I'm going to talk to you all about something we need, but we ain't going to a fourth service. Somebody should have said amen real loud. <laughs> amen. Now, y'all might like that, you know, but you ain't got to preach all of them. You know what I'm saying? I have no... No dreams of a fourth service, amen. I have no dreams. I, three is enough, amen. I'm getting my work. I got my, my little Apple Watch. I'm going to tell me how much exercise I'm doing while I'm preaching to y'all, amen. So, so uh, many are working to build resilient community with others. That's been amazing. I see the seasoned saints. They finally got some salt and pepper others in the church. And so they be hanging out, walking all places and going and enjoying the name and pictures all together. I love it. I, I, I love that y'all like being with each other. You young singles, y'all be going out painting the town red for the glory of Jesus Christ. Um, I, I love that. You know, no thoughtology is in the mix. I'm excited about that. Some of y'all gonna get that on the way home. Um, but I, I'm just, I, I love the fact that you have a redemptive disposition towards enjoying one another. And, and that's, that's a beautiful thing for us. Um, more people are committing themselves to grow Loving that. Um, Bible study is packed every time. I'm just, that like blows my mind. I've never seen that happen in the history of our church. So it's beautiful to see that God has nurtured a deep hunger in our church for the Lord. That's what I sense God is doing in people's lives, and it's encouraging. We should celebrate that. And so in light of that reality, Acts chapter 16 that was read in your hearing earlier, verse 1 through through, uh, 5, is pointing to the idea of strengthening. Somebody say strengthening. So Paul went um, into Iconium, Lister, and Derby in Acts chapter 14, preached the gospel, him and Barnabas and some others, preached the gospel, went beast mode. Whole city, bunch of people in the city started trusting Jesus Christ as Savior. They started making disciples. Those people that came, they actually submitted themselves under the leadership and got invested in by Paul's team. As they got invested in, some, some, some leaders came up that were worthy of being 
like leaders. So he, they appointed them as elders, a community of a governing community of shepherds to shepherd that particular community. Then they committed them to the grace of God. Fast forward, Jerusalem Council, they hit the Jerusalem Council. In the Jerusalem Council, Paul and Barnabas split. Boom. In this chapter, Paul goes because he wants to strengthen the church. Somebody say strengthen the churches. So he goes back to Iconium, lists him in Derby, and he finds a young man that trusted Christ on his first journey there. His name is Timothy. Timothy, some believe, was around about 16 years old, mid to late teen years, and was a beast in the scriptures. He was a beast in the scriptures because our Bibles tell us in 2 Timothy that his grandmother and his mother taught him the scrolls from his youth. And he, was, he wasn't a believer, but he was a Jew, part Jew. He was half Jew, half Greek. And so he understood the scripture. So by the time Christ came and was preached, it like made sense of everything he always learned. And he saw it in light of Jesus. So he goes and he says, and, uh, and Paul came to Derby and Lystra. A disciple was there. I like that. I like that they say a believer was there. They said a disciple was there because a disciple points to commitment beyond belief. You know, I, 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 love, I love that reality that he, he's committed beyond belief and, 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 and committed in a way where he is apprenticing himself to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what a disciple does and picks up their cross daily to be responsible with the Christian faith. When someone's a disciple, they're responsible with the Christian faith. Let me say that again, responsible. They think about it, they're consumed about it. That's what I wanna see in this generation. I wanna see a responsible believer. I believe you don't have to wait till you're 50 or 60 when everything's broke down. I ain't saying every 50, 60 year old y'all broke down. I'm just saying, in our mind, because I know y'all about to jam me up at the door, so, you know. So, so I'm saying, I'm, I'm, what I'm saying is when stuff start not being what it used to be, then you're committed to Christ because stuff is not working like it used to. You can, you can bless the Lord and live for him while everything's working on steroids. And so, and, so, and so Timothy's a great example of that. I, I'd love to do a series on just the young adults in the scripture who went beast mode for the Lord. I mean, you got Josiah, you got Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. I mean, you got a fleet of people at David. You got people at Jesus. You got people at a young age, John, right, who wrote the, all of these are young folk that were committed to the Lord. So we see Timothy added in that bunch. Jewish son, uh, 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 he's Jew, and his mom's a believer too, and his father was a Greek. Then it says, he was well spoken of. I like that. When you mention his name, people had something good to say. Oh, help me today. I'm trying not to preach. What would people say if they mentioned your name? Wow. I love my brother Reggie. I love my brother Reggie. See, that's my help right there. <laughs> uh -uh. He was well spoken of by the brothers and sisters at least in two cities. You know when, you, when your reputation hit up multiple cities, you know what I'm saying? He ain't had no Facebook either, you know what I'm saying? So he ain't have a following. He just was being faithful to the Lord, right? And since Paul wanted Timothy to go with him, can you imagine your 16-year-old at your crib and an apostle come to your house and say, I've been talking to this dude. This dude went beast mode on me. I'm loving this. I want to use him and I want to train him as a missionary to help me to, to pioneer churches that are going to pervade the gospel for centuries. Yeah. It's nuts. It's crazy. It's, I mean, and so Timothy, he said, I'm taking young buck with me. The bull coming with me. Boom. Then he says, he says, and, and, and he took him and circumcised him. Men. I just want to look at everybody in the room. You got to understand. Listen, that's gospel commitment. Like, it ain't like he didn't remember it like he was eight days old, like the law said. No, we talking about, like, teenage. I'm and then and it said, and Paul did it. He just met him. <laughs> Some dude you just met circumcised. That dude walking with the Lord, pretty much. You know what I'm saying, what I'm saying? And so, and, so, and then, then it says him, because of the Jews in those places. In other words, it wasn't just to do it, and he didn't have to do it. It had missiological purpose. In other words, because of his spiritual maturity at a young age, he was willing to make missiological sacrifices for the glory of Christ. Did you know how, listen, this is amazing. That spiritual maturity is possible for a millennial. I got to move. I got to move. So, uh, it's, it, 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 yeah, I got to move. Here we go. It says, 
as they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them for the observance, the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and the elders who were in Jerusalem. Some key missiological things to not do, not keeping the law, not being under the law, but some things that helped them to develop common ground with Jews. Get that to the Hebrew Israelites. Verse five. So the, some of y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. So the churches were strengthened in their faith and they increased in numbers daily. I like that. The churches were strengthened and they grew numerically. Boom, watch it. So, so when we talk about this idea of strengthen, it means to cause one to become firmer in such matters as conviction and commitment to truth about Jesus in every area of life, doctrinal and practical infrastructure. So both they wanted to see actual people grow and be developed to a point to where if a wind of doctrine came, they weren't scared. In other words, in other words you know you mature when you're like, I, I, don't, I don't have, th- those gaps aren't filled yet, but I still believe. Like, I'm not going to leave the faith because you're telling me something I don't, I haven't researched yet because my faith and commitment to Jesus Christ supersedes research. That doesn't mean I'm not a thinker. It's, it makes me a thinker that I'm not following the first thing you told me. Help me today. That, that makes me a thinker just because you said that and find it out is true. We're going to talk about that in a few. And then, then, then he goes down and he's with practical infrastructure. Whenever God grows something beyond where it is, it needs infrastructure to make it stable. I was watching, I'm addicted to Home and Garden TV. I'm addicted. I'm just a mess with that. Every time the TV just comes on, it's on. And, 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 and this house, uh, you didn't realize they had built this nice addition on this house. But what's interesting is that the top floor was going to fall down because they didn't reinforce it in a way that distributed, distributed the weight in order that the house would hold up the strength. See, what, that's what needs to happen in God's church is as we grow, we want to continue to be committed to core mission. But you, in order to be committed to core mission, you have to build out the beams of the church so that it can hold up the growth that's coming in. And so, and so, and so what we want to do is we want to see the Lord do that. So what does that look like? So we, we've seen, and it's a good chart. Some of you have seen it before over the years who've been with me for a while and been with us for a while here as we've seen upward, we've seen outward. Now we got to go inward. Somebody say inward. Um, now, now, that doesn't mean that we stop doing mission, but I'm going to talk to you about we have to scale back. Somebody say scale back. So what we're going to do in engaging in that, in engaging in um, transformative mission and doing what God has called us to do. Uh, run that slide for me, bro. Thank you. Um, uh, application. So in this season of multiplication and growth, we go through what's called seven seasons of church or church planting. And one of the things my job is to do is to guide the church through those seasons. My job is to make sure that we viably are guided through everything from the preparation to the growth to the development, uh, seeding, uh, 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 um, growth, uh, 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 and multiplication season, or sending and uh, multiplication season. And as we've gotten to the multiplication season, we've completed the cycle. However, you have to go back and continue to grab the growth cycle particularly if a church begins to grow. What happens with a lot of churches is they begin to enjoy the comfort of God getting them to a point and then begin to run on cruise control versus engaging the community, versus assessing where you are and making sure that we put in place what's needed to make sure that those things happen. So in this season, of, we're in two seasons, multiplication and growth, multiple seasons of churches. I sent, we sent multiple people out. We're seeing people meet the Lord, be baptized. Uh, we seen a ton of, almost 100 people um, join last year, that type of thing. Uh, a gathering uh, went to three, and these gatherings are growing. As you see, this been at capacity every week. So we must deepen our depth in the church and in our city. That's what we want to do. And so how are we going to do What are some ways we're going to do that? What are some ways we're going to do that? Run the next side for me because it's not clicking. Thanks. And so in these double seasons, we're in the multiplying season. Somebody say multiplying season. So this, this is for, if, if you get blurry right here, this is for my didactic people. You know, I know I got some artsy folk. I know you want the chart. My didactic people want some specific things to know. So that's this is for my didactic people. All right. And so, um, and so when we look at this, or my linear people, not didactic, but linear, linear. And so restate unified vision and strategy. That means we got to keep that before you. Implement spiritual renewal dynamics. 
Okay, overcome barriers and cultivate leadership. We need more leaders. We need more leaders. People taking the initiative for the benefit of others. Leaders. Establish recruiting and assessment systems. How do we assess what's going on now? This is infrastructure stuff, right? Um, establishing coaching and training uh, systems. Establish a parent, uh, 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 church planning parent and farm systems. We've done that. Don't let me lose you. Stay with me. Developing fundraising for the movement. We've talked to, we've had a meeting of all of our churches in the Epiphany Network. We call it Enoch, and we're getting together. And we're starting a system of mutual farming to help our financial systems as churches to help in the future move churches forward in planting more, but not right now because we're, we're, we're taking this hiatus. Develop fundraising for the movement and then develop church planting networks and movements. We'll talk about that at another time. Thank you. Uh, growing season. So in the growing season, I want you to look at this. So these are two seasons that are simultaneously happening at the same time. These seasons simultaneously happen when a church has completed the seven seasons. Okay? So what we're doing is we evaluate church health and growth. So what we want to do now is we want to spend some time evaluating. Somebody say evaluate. And so, and so we want to evaluate our growth. We want healthy growth. We want healthy growth. We don't just want transfer growth. We want also conversion growth. And so we want to assess that. How are people coming into the ministry? Or why are they coming into the ministry? Are people plugging into those needed places of help? We'll talk about that in a second. Uh, establish church health and growth goals. So are we healthy? Based on our dynamics of health, if you say uh, church health doesn't happen by accident, it comes by laying out what makes a church healthy and then functionally praying about and implementing those things that make it healthy. Listen, this is just our checkup, right? Our yearly checkup, and we're doing some blood work right now. And so this is the equivalent of doing blood work and sending it to the lab to see if there's anything that needs developing or needs working on, right? And so, and so I know all my doctors, y'all like that, didn't you? And uh, so, um, and, and so grow, grow. And so lead the church to expansive growth. We've already done that in expanding, right? But then, uh, so, so, uh, which, which we've already done. We'll talk about what that more so means in a second. We've led the church. We want to lead in this section, though, internal growth. This is very important that we, that we know who's a part of Epiphany Fellowship. This is not kicking anybody out or pushing anybody anywhere. We want to know who's here and how do we make sure that you're plugged into helping what God wants to happen to happen in all of our lives, right? Extension growth, extension growth. How do we extend the mission of God, right? Let, uh, uh, lead the church in bridging growth, bridging growth. We're going to talk about that and lead the church in organizational growth. That's a big one right there. We need more infrastructural organizational growth as more staff as well. So I, I want us to continue to look at and think through why these things are needed. Next slide for me. And so discipleship. So we, we're going to focus on two areas of doing all of this, discipleship and outreach. Number one, we are assessing how well we are making disciples and implementing strategies to deepen our commitment to seeing Jesus formed in the lives of those at Epiphany Fellowship. This, we, we haven't, I don't know if we ever have done this or even have done it well, but want to begin developing assessment systems to making sure that every person that calls themselves a part of Epiphany Fellowship is properly connected to the means of grace that help them to grow. That's what we want to encourage you in. And so, and, so that, and, so that, and so that means you have to put yourself in a position to be knowable and connect to those things beyond your own personal preferences of how you want to grow. Because let me explain something to you. Discipleship is not something, listen, that you tell Jesus how you want him to do it. You don't get to frame your discipleship program. See, when Jesus says, follow me. When he says, follow me, you submit to what the framework of what he has created for what following him looks like. And so that means that we, 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 we want to make sure, like, like, like if someone says, Pastor, I want you to do a particular thing and do that. I'm like, how are you plugged into this? How are you plugged into that? And how are you plugged into that? Right. And we're going to talk about that even more in a second. And it's not to beat anyone up. It's to help us as a church to focus our ability. to like, we, like, I don't know if you know it, but we really like actually want to see you grow. That, that's, that's, that's like important to us, right? And so, and, so, and so this is important. So next slide, outreach. Outreach. So when we talk about outreach, we will begin implementing the strategies that have been assessed. They've already been assessed. 
I want to give economic development team big big round of applause. I also want to give Woke Church um, Think Tank a big round of applause, Dr. Gill, Dr. Lyons, um, Anna Hunt, all of those who have helped us to assess what's needed in order for us to maximize the opportunity. So check it out. So we will begin implementing the strategies that have been uh, assessed and are being developed by various branches of outreach offered by Philadelphia, uh, uh, in, to Philadelphia through Epiphany Fellowship. Run the next slide, because th this is important. So none, uh, 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 note the following, that doesn't mean these things aren't happening or don't exist, but strengthening points to the need to make them more effective. Next slide, that's what we wanna do. So what do we wanna do? Clearer discipleship paths. Um, one of the biggest questions that we get in, um, in uh, our um, Discover Epiphany is, you know, how do you make disciples here? And first off, we believe that everything disciples. Okay, it's not like one super Christian brings you up under their wing and you become super because of that one person. Now, when I look back on my journey, it was a multiplicity of people that played different roles. I had different type of doctors. Like you don't go to the general, you don't go to the primary doctor expecting them to be a heart doctor. You just don't. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You don't, ex you don't expect them to ch check it out. They may check your eyes, but they don't know how to work out all of the situations in your eyes, right? So you got to have multiple doctors that have specialties in different areas in order to help you to be healthy. That's the same way the church works. If you don't plug into all of the different doctor's offices that the church provides, what yeah. will begin to happen is, is you'll begin challenging. And we are PPO, not HMO, so you don't need a referral. You can just go. <laughs> Some of y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, it's okay. It's okay. And so, and so, and so, and so, life groups, life groups. So, 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 life groups. We want to. Life groups are doing great, but we want, out of about. If everybody would have come, we have seven, eight hundred people. Mostly that comes regularly is about five, six, including our children. They're people too, so we count them. And so, uh, people that don't count children don't understand like they're not people. They're people. And so, um, and so, what happens? What happens though is is that only about a buck 25, probably a bean 25, bean 50, I mean 150, um, is really involved in actual life groups, right? And so what we want to do is we want to increase that number by increasing life groups and making you more aware of it as a means of grace for you to grow. And so, and so that means that you can't try to jerry-rig a discipleship method that isn't already created by the church. So, 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 so what we do, we, manhood, our manhood stuff, you got to get, I was uh, proud of the men yesterday, how many men showed up uh, to new manity, amen somebody, I'm, I'm excited about that, I'm, I'm proud of the women with salt in the, in, 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 the, in the ministry that they're doing and everything like that, but now I want people plugging into those things, like somebody, so people always tell me, pastor, I want discipleship, I'm like, so are you in life group, no, do you go to salt or new manity, no, so you, so you don't want discipleship there. Um, because, and so this is important. Marriage development, we're going to deepen that. Our children and youth ministry, deepen that. Uh, uh, ministry training, training people for ministry. I'm not talking about vocational ministry or to be a minister or a reverend. I'm talking about just ministry training. Amen. We don't have no reverends here. Amen. Next, next slide. So, so, so building stewardship, so beautifying our facility. That's what we want to do. I think uh, the, person, uh, the, the person that's anonymous that donated a bunch of uh, things so that the third floor could get more effectively beautified. So let's give God a hand praise for that generous member of Epiphany Fellowship. Um, and so we, we, we do want to launch a campaign to be and look like a place of peace. So that means we are going to be asking you for money. Amen. 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 Now, this ain't to go to the apostles' feet and all that kind of carrying on. So, so, so let's get that out of our mind. We're using that for ministry. Somebody say ministry. ministry. And so that means we're going to be encouraging you in Jesus' mighty name for those specific causes so that we can beautify a facility and maximize its usage. Last but not least, because we're not going to four services, we got to find more, more buildings in the neighborhood because we don't want to get priced out of North Philly. You see what's happening. And so what I want us to do is we're looking at, we're looking at several church complexes that are in existence where the churches are wanting to sell. One in particular um, <clears throat> that I'm not at liberty yet to talk about, they can see about 750, 800 people, has a rectory and has 60 parking spaces. Um, and around it is decimated. So we can, uh, my dream, now, uh, this, this is a secret. This is a pastor's secret. Every Tuesday morning, 
I, 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 I circled that block multiple times, praying over and dreaming about it. And so we would keep this facility and turn this into the Family Life Center, where all our family life and weekly ministries go out of, and then in that space will be more of our weekend stuff and a few other things, but it, but it would fit us, and then we can go back to two services. Hallelujah, hallelujah. <laughs> I felt God right there. Hey, I'm trying to stay in English. I'm about to speak in tongues right now. I thank the Lord God. And so, and so anyway, I, 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 and, so, and so that, and then we're able to expand our Sunday morning children's ministry and to just expand our ministry here and do all our little woke church stuff to be on steroids for Jesus. I'm excited about it already. And so that means, I'm, that means I'm, I'm, I want us to be thinking about, and this is not getting a, our desire in moving forward and looking at that. We're looking into this. Um, I would rather not build, to be honest. I would rather take over something that is existing and strip it. If we had to build you know, we'd have to, it would have to be the Lord. Um, and then it would have to be you. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so that means you have to be willing to sacrificially give. Okay, now, and when we do this, we're not just trying to blow up the block and make all the conscious people mad. We're trying to actually bring a change in the neighborhood uh, because we don't want to be that church that they see on Sunday and don't see during the week. You, you missed your shouting moment. It's okay. Move to the next slide. Move to the next slide. We're almost done. We're making good time, decent time. Um, woke Church Initiatives. Uh, I think the Woke Church Think Tank because they focused us. And so there's a lot we're going to eventually do. But through our think tank, what we want to do is we want to focus on the school to prison pipeline. So that, that's what we want to focus our local outreach efforts on. So let me tell you what that doesn't mean. That doesn't mean we're going to act like black people don't do, some black people don't need to go to jail for their offenses, okay? So that doesn't mean everybody's innocent. That just means if a white person does the same crime, can you just give them the same thing? That's all I'm saying. And then don't put young bucks in general population and scarring them and criminalizing them so that they become desensitized to criminalization so that by the time they're 18, it's, they, they're desensitized from the fact that an offense is an offense. But then the other thing is those who are innocent, we want to be able to help them fight the system from actually putting them in jail. I hate when I hear through some of the initiatives, I can't talk about them publicly, but I can talk about them inferentially, where I hear this judge is famous for locking black men up. Like, what? Like, and, like, like famous? Like, for that? And so we're going to rally, and we're going to go down there with some signs, and we're going to go down there with a plan, because you can do the signs all you want and then leave, and you got a picture, and that's it, and no change. We actually want systemic, practical change that happens in these issues. Um, and someone thank Pastor Kurt. He's sick today, but he's gone to court cases, stuff you guys don't know about. Goes to court cases and help advocate for young guys that have gotten locked up and put in general population that we actually work with. And so we're in six schools in the area um, that we're working in. Some of them, you know, William Dick, William D. Kelly, um, Building 21, uh, Duckery, uh, and, and a couple other schools that we're serving in right now. And so we, we want you to keep that lifted up in prayer. Strawberry Mansion High School is pulling on us really, really hard, really, really hard, really, really hard. And it will be a dream. I'm, uh, I'm just telling y'all stuff. Um, it will be a dream if we had this space, but then we're able to get some kind of space somewhere, I don't know, in Strawberry Mansion. Anyway, that's, a, that's, that's something to pray about. Um, and so we want to do that. Next, next slide, next slide, next slide. On the Block Initiatives, um, thanks for my son in the ministry for giving us the On the Block Initiative. Great stuff, Pastor Doug. So we're going to be on the block. Men are going to be hitting the block. It's going to be great. March hits. All the men in the men's ministry, I need 100 men on the block. 100. A 100 dudes on the block minimum out there ready for action. Somebody should have said amen. 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 We're, going, we, uh, we're going out thick. I want to see a whole, just thick men on the block, bow, hitting the block, yeah, cow, everybody to see that the church is not in the cut, but we're ready to get it. So, and then we're going to do some blitzes. We're going to do water giveaways, little events, but then we also want to do a large-scale outreach. We'll be talking to you about that. Again, the last large-scale outreach we did like that of its type had 3,000 people that day, hundreds of people meeting Jesus, and so we want to steward that better this time. Next one. Next slide. Almost done. Keep going. Uh, prayer strengthening. 
It's just something we want to emphasize. I need a bona fide prayer ministry. That uh, There's a group of people that own prayer and gives prayers to the church through life groups. We want to talk about that soon. Next. Next. Um, and so, back up, back up. Thank you. Great, great, great. So, finally dispatching you. Look at, look at Timothy's life cycle. He gets saved, Acts 14. He becomes a faithful and good name in Acts 16. Then in Acts 17, he becomes an apprentice with a leader, a support leader. He coupled up with Silas and did, did, did his little situation with Silas. Then in, in, in Romans chapter 16, verse 21, he becomes Paul's assistant. Then by the time of 2 Corinthians, Philippians, 1 Thessalonians, and Philemon, he becomes a co-sender of the word of God. <laughs> a co-sender. Next slide. Co-sender of the word of God. Check it out. And then he became ministry team leader and apostolic delegate to the point where Paul didn't send anybody with him. He was leading the teams. He was leading the teams. Go back to the slide, the last slide. They're taking pictures and things. So take it back because they're going to ask you, you know, yeah, there you go. Take it back. Take your picture. I saw y'all taking a picture. Y'all got it? Okay, go back forward. Boom. I just want to make sure my folk get their stuff. All right. And so, and so lastly, ministry team leadership and apostolic delegate. And then from there was willing to be in prison for the gospel. He could suffer. He can hold up under some hard stuff. And so what does that mean? That's the cycle of life that I want to see in the lives of millennials in particular. I, I, I believe that this is a massive life cycle. When you see through the life of Timothy, him going from hearing the gospel to now leading gospel mission. Like, that's amazing. Men and women, you're able to do that. And I'm praying that, let, let me just give you this and I'm done. I promise. Put away youthful lust. Put them away. Put away youthful lust and pursue joy, love, and peace and the fellowship of those who call upon the name of the Lord from a pure heart. Like, put them away. Listen, I'm going to say this, I'm done. I want, let's stop wasting our time on stuff that pulls away from our intimacy with Jesus. And let's grow up in every respect. Someone say, how do I get older people to not look down on my youth? The verse says it right there. Show yourself as an example. It's time to come from youth and adolescent spirituality. And now to become a beast initiating things for the glory of Christ. I'm done. Father, men, come on. Father, we thank you. Let's do communion. Father, we thank you for this opportunity and celebrate your, mer- your mercy. Celebrate your love. Celebrate your life. Celebrate your grace. I'm a, I'm a hefty believer that every generation that you raise up is a remnant for your glory to make a difference in the world. And so, God, I'm asking you to bless that there would be such a ferocious, y'all could just start passing it out, a ferocious commitment, Lord God, to you. Um, I'm praying that being on fire for you isn't a season, but it's a lifestyle. I believe in this generation, God. I believe in you and them. God, put us to work for your glory. Turn the corner. Help them to taste of the sweetness of being on fire for you. Lord God, as we take communion and celebrate your death, help what we eat and drink to force us to recognize the value of your death. And that the value of your death should motivate us to die. In Jesus' name, amen.